0: It's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to Dynamos Dozen. Podcast Podcast You're listening to Dynamo's Dozen. Now let's welcome your host, Ian Dynamo Kelly. Dynamos Dozen, the podcast that I bring you each and every single week, where I talk about whatever may be on my mind from pro wrestling, sports, entertainment, music, movies, musically, fresh shots and jocks, and everything in between, never forgetting the talc. And as you may see, it is me by myself today. I am Mr. Han Solo. And I am bringing you a very, very special podcast that I put together. I say special every week because they are special, but this one is particularly special because it's the first time that I've sat down and done a podcast with me, myself, and I. And like I said, we are in Halloween month, the month of seven, And I thought I'd bring you something pro wrestling, very different, but also very, very, very intriguing. Today, I'm going to sit down and talk to you guys and gals all about the history of Halloween Havoc. That's right, the WCW original pay-per-view, which is now being brought back by WWE for the second year in a row. But I thought what we will do is do a little deep dive on the history of Halloween Havoc. It's one of my personal favorite pay-per-views just in general. I always love the whole aura of it. Um, and it's one that's always been very special to me. So as the name implies, uh, it is a Halloween-themed show, um, always held in October, and it was originally produced uh, as an annual pay-per-view um, by World Championship Wrestling, WCW, which everyone knows is one of my favourite uh, wrestling companies of all time. And it was held from 1989 to 2000. Um, as WWE is still known uh, then as the WWF, purchased WCW... In 2001, the event was uh, the final event for Halloween Havoc um, was in 2000. And we will talk a little bit about that later, October 29th, um, 2000. Um, The first four events were held when WCW was still uh, affiliated with the NWA. and The final five events under WCW were held in the great... uh, MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And uh, in 2015, actually, funny enough, all the WWE pay-per-views were made available on the WWE Network. But in late 2018, Las Vegas-based company KBN incorporated foil for the trademarks of Halloween Havoc, which according to the United States Patent and Trademark Office has been listed as dead since 2005. But like I said, WWE did revive it. Uh, that was on October 4th, 2020, which was last year. And it was announced that WWE's NXT brand would revive Halloween Havoc as a special episode of the weekly NXT television program. So make what you will of that. That showed how uh, much prestige and esteem that WWE held this once fantastic pay-per-view. In. But like I said, it was always a personal Favorite of mine always has been since I was a kid. Um, and one of the reasons was the show always featured like a really memorable stage and that kind of spooky team. And everyone knows how much of a horror fan I am. And I believe, to be fair, that it did pave the way for some of the uh, thematic style uh, pay per view events that we've known, um, you know, from say. The early 2000s onwards. WCW, I think, really um, really helped pave the way for that and we see a lot of it in AEW now and I think this is one of the first shows along with along with maybe Bash at the Beach that really kind of had that thematic style uh, pay-per-view setup and I think it always really added to the aura and mystique and, and just intrigue of, uh, of these pay-per-views that WCW used to hold. Um, and it was, it was kind of cool. It just had a real, real deep kind of feel to it. Um, so what I'm going to do today, now that the kind of history um, of it is over, this is going to be a short pod. It's just me kind of giving you all something from me personally and, and sharing my thoughts on, as I said, one of my favourite pay-per-views uh, of all time. And not just the actual matches itself, but just the actual pay-per-view teams. Um, you know, everyone that knows me knows I'm a big theme guy and uh yeah so I'm gonna go through some favorite matches I'm gonna go through some of the worst <laughs> parts of Halloween Havoc which I've got some really funny bits in and all you wrestling historians out there probably know exactly what I'm gonna be talking about so I'm gonna go through uh, some of the best and the worst and I'm gonna go through basically give a list of of the uh, of the shows as they started and give you the dates and times and and, and who main evented these uh amazing halloween havoc pay-per-views give you a rundown of the whole list of halloween havoc history which i've got right here in my hand i'm old school i like to have that piece of paper so for all you guys and uh, girls listen to the audio version please enjoy the team that i set here and for all you guys i can see my face in this kind of orange glow that i've tried to uh, set my own team for you without the bells and whistles just a nice Nice dim orange Halloween y lighting to uh, to suit you as my voice guides you through the history of Halloween Havoc. Um, so it started in 1989, October 28, 1989, to be exact, in the Philadelphia uh, Civic Center. The second one was 1990, Halloween Havoc 1990, Chicago, Illinois, Halloween Havoc 1991. Chattanooga, Tennessee, UTC Arena, Halloween Havoc 1992, once again in Philadelphia in the the Civic Centre. 1993, they brought it to New Orleans Louisiana at the Lakefront Arena. Um, Obviously, WCW and NWA had a big affiliation with the Mid-South and and, uh, it was nice to always kind of bring it back to the the Deep South. Um, 1994, which of course, Hulk Hogan's first one, Detroit, Michigan, Joel Lewis Arena, 1995 once again. You'll notice a team with WCW, a lot of the pay-per-views that they held, they used to hold it for a couple of years in the exact same location. Um, And we will have a little bit of a series where we go back and look at some of our favorite WCW uh, pay-per-views. And you will notice that the likes of Uncensored used to be in Mobile, Alabama. Um, So there was always a little bit of a team going on there with WCW. Um, 1996 is really where they kind of go to the big time, of course, enter Eric Bischoff, right? Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada at the MGM Grand. And that would be the final home. And it really is the home of Halloween Havoc uh, all the way to uh, 2000. So um, just a little rundown. And of course, WCW last year at the Performance Center, they did it October 28th in Florida this year to are doing it at the Capital Wrestling Centre. So a little bit of uh, history just as to the times and dates for all you analytical people and like uh, dates and numbers. But I think what we're going to do now is the good stuff because we built up the history of it. Let's get into the best and the worst of it. And I've, I've kind of wrote out a, a couple of bits and pieces um, that you may or may not disagree with. Please feel free to uh, to share uh, your comments. You know, hit hit me up and let me know what you would add to it or what you would subtract from it. Um, but I'm going to go through the worst moments here personally. <laughs> for me, I think we'd start with the worst and finish in a high. One of the worst, of course, was monster truck mayhem. Um, for anybody that has never kind of looked at this. The, you probably shouldn't but then you probably should because the intrigue is just yeah it, it, it's worth going back on the network and checking it out um, it's one of, it was 1995 one of the worst Halloween Havoc pay-per-views, probably one of the worst pay-per-views pretty much in my, in my opinion um, but it was Hulk Hogan basically would defend the WCW Heavyweight Championship against the Giant in the main event but they would first compete in a monster truck sumo battle atop of the Joe Lewis arena, in which the only way to win was to knock your opponent over the edge and 100 feet to the ground below. Uh, Hogan would obviously win because it apparently made sense for, uh, for him as the babyface to decimate his opponent by driving him off the top of a, uh, of a very, very large building. Um and <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a real it was a real kind of garbage can, um kind of scenario. But you know, I guess that was the time where WWE were trying to build a brand, and kind of Hogan was building the Hogan brand still. When has he not been? Um, another one I want to take you back to, which some of you may or may not remember. The original fake sting. Yes, there was an original fake sting before the NWO fake sting. Um, And it was long before Eric Bischoff or any of those other guys uh, perpetrated a plan to bring in a fake sting to make them think that he joined the NWO. But uh, yeah, basically he came in and beat the absolute living hell out of Lex Luger and the Four Horsemen. Um, and, And basically it was kind of to try and create some sort of division, within the ranks of, of WCW, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was 1990, and it was a little bit of a controversy, um, in the main event of the 1990 Halloween Havoc. So I would actually recommend going back and watching that just for for some laughs and uh, to give yourself a little bit of a, a little a little bit of fun and kind of go back and I suppose. I suppose it's probably worse going on right now. When I, when I thought about it, I was like, some of it still made more sense than what we're seeing today, but uh, maybe I'm just old and cranky. Um, but the worst, and the one that takes the absolute cake, of course, is Hogan and Warrior 2, which, as we all now know, was just literally a uh, Hogan ego boost to get revenge for that that L that he, he suffered in 1990 to the Warrior in Toronto. Um, but you know, well, six is an utterly pretty much perfect match, in my opinion, um, and and really should have never happened again. Uh, WCW obviously brought the Warrior back and booked him in, which I'm sure was, a, you know, for, for a, a shitload of money. But um, this match was literally just abysmal start to finish. The build-up was abysmal start to finish. Um, the Warrior promo and Nitro, probably one of the worst things I've ever heard, went on... <sighs> you know you'd have actually watched an episode of friends and he would have still been in the ring um yeah i mean this match was just an absolute cluster an absolute cluster you had two guys who literally basically only planned a couple of big spots which made absolutely no sense um we had the worst the worst attempt at burning someone in the history um, and yeah, again, it was just to, to it, it was a match about egos, but only egos on one side on this one. And one guy got paid enough to uh, to not have a problem with it. But for me, that was probably Halloween Havoc's worst moment. But it's not all doom and gloom, and it is Halloween month. Everyone knows it's my favorite month of the year. So let's get into some of the good stuff now. I've written out a couple of bits here. Um, favorite matches. Right, so you may see me look away and divert my eyes from the camera a little bit, but that's purely because I'm trying to, uh, trying to see exactly what I've written down. And what I can see first and foremost, in my opinion, the greatest match in Halloween Havoc history is, of course, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio from 1997. That famous uh, Rey Mysterio purple onesie, skin-tight onesie that he wore um, absolutely phenomenal match, anybody that hasn't seen it, I don't know how you haven't but if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about again, possibly one of the greatest matches in wrestling history, not just Halloween Havoc history, this is just an absolute belter please, please do yourselves a favour and go back and watch it, and if you've already seen it once or twice go back and watch it again, it's the month of Halloween this is Hands down, one of the best wrestling matches of all time. Um, I also went with DDP Goldberg in what I consider Goldberg uh, to, to, to be somewhat ungreen here. Um, of course, there was a little bit of controversy with this because the match did go off air um, during the pay-per-view because they went over time. Wouldn't happen in this day and age, but believe it or not, it did then. Um, and Nitro they had to play the full match on Nitro the next night Uh, everybody knows everybody that knows their WCW history knows that uh, that did not go down well but still doesn't take away anything from the two guys in the match I think it's one of DDP's best matches and I also think it's Goldberg's absolute best match Um, I would go back and check that out 1993 Cactus Jack versus Vader you can only imagine what these two guys would do to each other two absolute hard hitters, stiff as fuck, and um, yeah, I absolutely loved loved this match. I actually went back and watched it yesterday just to kind of refresh my memory. But this was absolutely beautiful. Vader at his best, Cactus Jack in his absolute prime, um, beautiful, beautiful match. And um, Dustin Rhodes, Goldust versus Stunning Steve Austin. 1991 one thing I will say if you go back and watch this we always know that these two guys were great workers but one thing I will tell you is that watch how quick and swiftly Steve was back then good lord the guy was like lightning um, for a man his size as well just looked absolutely pristine um, great match and of course Dustin just an absolute consummate worker this is this is one of my favourite matches probably ever as well a tag team match just to mix it up for all you tag team enthusiasts uh, the Nasty Boys versus the Steiners now these are two teams that take no prisoners as well um, 1990 the year before this was an absolute belter as well I must say Um again <laughs> it it's uh it's not going to be your catch as catch can pro wrestling match, but the story told in this match is absolutely fantastic. The gnarly kind of punk rockers that are the nasty boys and the kind of brawling style, imposing their will and their size and physique over um, you know, what you would consider the smaller uh, Steiner brothers, but using their their because uh, their absolute technical ability. And uh, tag team prowess as the baby faces to uh, to overcome is just fantastic. And I went with Lex Luger uh, versus Brian Pillman, 1989. Listen, this year for Lex Luger was absolutely fantastic. I think his two best years in the business he ever had was 1988 and 1989. And this was a match that culminated the fantastic run and year that uh, Lex Luger had. Um, I think he was absolutely fantastic in this match and of course we all know how good Pillman is, you're only as good as your dance partner I know sometimes, however I thought this match was fantastic and I would love to know what happened to Luger really when he kind of went off that train, I don't know whether he didn't get enough or got too much too soon but um, it's great to go back and see Luger looking, looking so good. I finished it off with, um, with Hogan and Flair. Now, I know in 1994, it was the first year that we actually got to see Hogan and Flair and we got a run of matches. Um, but this one was, was kind of special because we had Muhammad Ali and Nick Bockwinkle. Uh, they were in the front row. And Mr. T served as the special guest referee. Uh, between Ali and Mr. T, listen, this is a reunion of, of WrestleMania 1. Um, Sting was also present for the match as well. Uh, wearing a suit and seated in the front row so obviously the original WSW baby face now is sitting in the front row watching with uh with with, with a lot of interest to see how this one goes um and when you watch this one um kind of after the previous ones it did it did this is when it started feeling like a completely different promotion for me like in terms of like a bigger production bigger product bigger feel to it and it always had that misty kind of smoky feel beforehand not that that was a bad thing i love it and but this one kind of felt like it was just a little bit bigger um and of course that was that was the hogan effect wasn't it i mean it was it was hollywood so it, it did get bigger automatically once hogan came into it um but with the pyro you know with the cage lowering um Michael Buffer announcing the competitors again. This is just another element to add to the big feel of this of this main event, but also this show. Um, it, it just had it, it just it, It's not often you can go back and watch all matches like that. Well, it's not often you get it today, but when you do go back and watch all matches like this, it does have that big fight feel if you allow yourself to kind of immerse yourself in it. Um, Sherry Martel. Listen, everyone knows my thoughts and opinions on Sherry. She really shines in this, um, especially she interferes, hits a splash from the top of the cage, because the lady had absolutely zero fear and bigger balls than most of us. Um, and she follows that up by taking all kinds of mills. Hogan clothesline, <laughs> big foot, oh big boot. You know, Hogan literally got to take his frustrations out on Sherry um on, on a, whereas he wouldn't have in wwe so it was really cool and she's always such a big sport um and then of course hogan's meant to be the baby face and he's attacking a woman but uh there you go <laughs> it's kind of funny looking back at it now um hogan obviously wins the match despite interference from a mass man who first made his presence known months earlier at the clash of the champions if you remember that um and of course he was revealed to be the butcher Brevis Bee Cake and Hogan went into a field then of course with his best friends and yeah so I suppose when we look at closing this off the last WW was 2000 and I suppose the less said the better about that but you know for me a really really good kind of um look back on something nostalgic for me um as a kid I absolutely idolized that pay-per-view like I said um And uh, I hope you all enjoyed it too. Um, But if you did enjoy it, please be sure to like and subscribe and hit the bell notification if you do like what you see on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Of course, we all have individual playlists for each show that you do like. Um, So go and check it out. There's something for absolutely everybody there. We've got Retro Payment, which is a look back at movies and and old shows and stuff like that, even games. Um, We've got... It is the month of Halloween. We've got a Yours Truly show with, with Carl and Greg, of course, on the slab where we, we talk everything horror. And we've got the four pod men, which of course will be uh, back in full effect soon, but you'll see Noel and some of the guys are doing some great work there, and um, previewing and reviewing um, the current product, which is which is always great. Um, of course, you've got the upper tier, um, which is the shopkeeper's baby. Um, pretty much anything football that you can think of he covers it and um, of course king woe's court my partner in crime the mighty Carl king woe and um, talking to some of ireland's greatest bands talking everything heavy metal um, and of course we uh, we get the flame and poke for all you hockey fans out there as well and um, where we talk everything calgary flames but we talk hockey in general so look that's enough of me plugging everything for today um, but please do be sure to go and like and subscribe. Hit the bell notification on YouTube. All of our audio podcasts are available anywhere you listen to your favorite audio podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everything in between. Um, we are the Dynamo Podcast Network. This has been Dynamo's Dozen. I have been your host with the most, in the Dynamo Kelly. And literally, it is time to go. Happy Halloween and stay safe.